that, that bird did. Yeah, I posted a picture of it. Yeah, there he is. I wonder how far he he made it. No, he was he was there up until just recently. Okay. We, we got the message that he left, and then I see you had to like sink him in like five times before he finally decided to show up. So. Yeah. yeah. What did you, so this did you, so the, so this article has a, just to kind of recap. We'll just edit it together. Uh, throwing one of those underwater torpedoes through this artwork where in the middle of it is a turkey. Yeah, and and Mac, I agree with you. I think this is something we could do on one of our uh, uh, winter practice dives at the pool. I, I don't think you're going to get too many guys to pay fifteen bucks, though. Well, I'm not saying that. Well, they charge fifteen bucks. It costs fifteen bucks to enter the contest, or one bag of pet food. Uh, what they're doing is sponsoring an animal shelter. What do you win? What does it say you win? Oh, you uh, win some scuba gear. Yeah. I guess it probably depends what the scuba gear is. So is it like if you, so you, you pay the entry fee, if you get it through, then you get like a, a ticket. Is that kind of how it works? Like, uh, I think you could do something where it'd be like $5 a throw. Or five dollars would be three torpedoes, and then you threw them through, and each one in gave you a, a ticket, which I you could put we, into a raffle. I think we would the, have more turnout if we, like, had spear guns available instead of throwing those torpedoes. Okay, yeah, Nerf spear guns wouldn't work too good though. Mm, <laughs> I, no, I think Kevin was talking real ones. No, I'm I'm talking the the, the hunting style spear guns. We you know. People use the rubber band style for hunting fish. Oh, I, I understand it, but I don't know if St. Joe High School is going to let you in the pool. <laughs> well, what and then, then who, who's, who's oh, going to volunteer to be the target? Who's, who's going to tell them? I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> Man. They, hey, I, they I, won't I, I know got, until the EMTs arrive. I, I have no idea how all those tiles got knocked out of your pool, why all those spears are embedded in the floor of your pool. I have no idea how that happened here, you know? Does, I was blood, does blood clog in the filters? <laughs> Depends if it coagulates before it gets the filters, you know. Not, yeah. not from experience or anything here, you know, but yeah. No. Well, speaking hey, of what, something. Hey, what, what happens yep. in the pool stays in the pool, all right? Well, well how about well, the filters this? take it out. Yeah. Uh, how about this pool? Uh, I've got three articles that you can choose from. I just, they were all just different takes and I did it mostly for the photos. Cause this is one of those cases where every article had a different photo. Uh, but what they're referring to, what we're referring to or talking about oh, is I like that in Warsaw, Poland. And we've covered this probably in the phase when they talked about it, when they started construction, when they estimated completion of construction. But it looks like it, it or appears that they have recently opened it up. Uh, so this is a Polish scuba enthusiast spot. It's the deep spot. Uh, they've built a pool or a diving tank outside of Warsaw, nearly 150 feet deep. There'll be the deepest dive pool in the entire world. Will be stocked with cool features like caves, shipwrecks, and. Uh, how are they going to put And then they've got a, basically a tube that goes down. Let's see. I'll go take a look at the next one. This one's from Daily Mail. A depth of 148 feet, they're saying. Uh, water volume is equal to 27 Olympic-sized pools. It's about 25 miles or 40 kilometers outside the capital of Warsaw. 
pool can accommodate customers during the coronavirus pandemic because it's considered a training center for divers. Uh, wow, that is pretty cool. I'd like to go there. I would too. I think um, that this would be, I think we need one of these in Berrien County actually. Cause I think if uh, it, it's, that's a nice excuse to go visit somewhere. And in this, this cutout in the, in this, uh, daily mail article has a nice drawing kind of showing all the elements of it. Cause that diving bell that goes down there, that's, they, they've got that to where it's either in the water or it can be hauled out. Uh, but they've got, I don't know, kind of hallways or tunnels, tiled tunnels that you can go into. So you could even get some cave practice work. I don't know. It's something interesting to visit once in a while, but it's kind of it's like a novelty. I'd rather go to Bontair. Oh, certainly. I, th I think as a destination, but for, dive? for, but winter for training. Dive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how else can you? test your gear in a controlled environment to test some of these like how how much yeah you know, how, how's my process going to be and you can do you could do some nice drills yeah you want to test your gear i'll just take you out the Ann Arbor and toss you overboard <laughs> okay uh, so 164 feet deep so you can get all your tech certifications oh it's it's five feet deeper than the Ann Arbor i guess maybe we can do the Ann Arbor. does so it say I, anywhere how much it costs dun, 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 dun. let's down i want to say it was supposed to be like a hundred dollars a day or something uh yeah the ah. previous record was the one we had covered which was nemo 33 in bustle brussels which mm -hmm. is the deepest pool until 2014 let's take a look uh, deeper blue also had an article and that shows that one shows actually shows the shipwreck i see a rowboat over there yeah, the the pattern in the tile almost makes it look like a video game, pixelated. I don't necessarily know if I understand the down and upside right. I never. Yeah, yes, the uh, a thirty nine year old diving instructor with a Polish name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. There is no magnific magnificent fish or coral reefs here, so it's no substitute for the sea, but it's definitely a good place to learn and train in order to dive safely in open water. And a 30-year-old forestry officer and diving novice said this, had this to say, for the first time we went down five meters, we can see all the way to the bottom, the wreck, the caves, it's magnificent. Oh, if you look inside, they've actually looks like they've added some texture. Uh, impressive tunnels looks like uh comes right out of a tomb raider movie so they did a little yeah. bit of theming inside it said it cost 10.6 million dollars two years to build artificial underwater caves and fake mayan ruins mm -hmm. has eight thousand cubic meters of water enough to fill three olympic sized swimming pools and i still have not seen any place where they say how much it is I saw the opening to this one, but I couldn't figure out what they were talking about. It says 10, uh, where I got to go back now, find it again. That's oh, what so, I'm curious, what it cost. Yeah. Now the interesting point in this deeper blue article, it says, however, deep spot will only hold the record for a short while 
has a 50 meter, 164 foot pool. The Blue Abyss is currently under construction in Whirl, the UK, set to open next year. You know what that means? We need to build one at 175 feet. <laughs> and put it on whose liability insurance? Well, I, I, I have an idea that, uh, well, because I, I think the Nemo one actually had a gate that locked on the bottom to prevent people from going too deep. You know, that they didn't always have it open to the deepest depths. Uh, so that would probably be the t- trick you'd have to convince the insurance company that uh, that was only opened in, in particular conditions. Still hurts me. We can't figure out what it costs to dive there. Well, yeah. I got a hunch if you got to ask, it's probably not for us. <laughs> well, I I, th- I think whatever it costs to dive there is cheap compared to what it costs to get there. Fly there, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, deep spot in Poland. Okay, I think we're going to have to use a great big book of everything <laughs> and see what that's going to be. Deep spot Poland. The website is www.deepspot.com forward slash en, which I anticipate is probably uh, so scuba diving. Order voucher. Uh, packet for person with a free license, uh, free li- free diving license. One dive is two hundred twenty nine thousand or two hundred twenty nine uh, ZL, whatever that means. Why would you have an English language page but doesn't translate? What's the cost? So what's so package for one person scuba diving license, one dive is two two hundred twenty nine, and it's in Europe, so a comma is a decimal. ZL uh, try scuba dive package for first timer. So so per dive, which must be time and pool, is two hundred twenty nine. The symbol. So here we got to go to do the Google Translate. Any prediction? I'm going to say it's a hundred bucks. It's on Facebook. <laughs> Is it on Facebook? <laughs> yeah, I just got there, but I don't speak Polish. So 229 PL yeah. is yeah, 51.16 euro. Yeah, uh, now I just need to convert to dollars. So that's less than $100. That's a U.S. dollar. Here we go. Figure uh, it out yet? No. Because then it, it's it's... It's making me go into other. Yeah, because I went on there. The price range, it just got two dollar signs, and I don't know what that means in, in that language. Okay. So I've got to change it from euro to US dollar, maybe. US dollar. So drum roll, please. It da, 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 da. is. $60.96 is $229. So it's $61 for a dive. What's it cost to dive at the quarry to get in? What do you get? Uh, Probably, is it about $40 now? It's it's $30 for a day at uh, Gilboa right now. Yeah. So that's $60 per tank, then we're saying? Well, it says package for for a person with a scuba license one dive and if i click on that let's see it says 12 expires 12 months from the purchase date 
available all days of the week. Uh, it doesn't give you much details. I wonder if it's nitrox. Voucher type gifts. Well, that. depending upon how deep you're going, the nitrox might not be an advantage. Yeah, that's true. Scuba diving. I mean, if you're doing repetitive dives, it would help out. Let me see. They're, they're, they've also got uh, advanced. So what's an advanced dive? Package for one scuba license, one dive, two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Not not a whole lot. I think the translations aren't working out. But sixty dollars. Eh. I bet you. They see the area of you. I just posted the. It looks like they have a swimming pool and a thing outside also. So it looks like an arena for all sorts of items. Well, you'd have to, because this is kind of a gimmick to get you there, but you have to have more. I mean, I, I would want to have a casino and hotel. See, I, uh, I, I think we, that's an idea. I think what you do is we go hit one of the Indian tribes and say, Hey, let's, let's do this. They've got money. They've got money, but they're pretty savvy about it too. Is that oh, like Kimo yeah. Sabi? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I think they're I think they're going to look at uh, you know how are the other diving destinations doing here in Great Lakes before they want to invest in that locally here. So yeah, pretty cool. See, well, they also see that they have a uh, Boeing seven thirty seven simulator. Well, like like the Air Zoo has so basically. Oh no, deep spot. It says about deep spot. They also have a wind tunnel. They have a simulator. All right, that makes sense when you look at the photo then. Yeah, so I'm so they're doing it as a because well, uh, see with, with the millennials and even whatever the new, calling the newest younger generation is its experiences, which is when I did the podcast 10 years ago, that was my thought was everybody's going to be tired of virtual and want to actually do something for real. So that was my kind of bet on scuba diving, but you can't beat it. I mean, you just, you, I don't care how many times you read about it, doing it just doesn't even compare. Okay. That area is called a park. Park of Poland, Santiago Water Park homepage. Let's see what else they do there. That, that doesn't help me out because I don't speak Polish. Damn it. Yeah, sometimes if you go up in your, if you're doing it in Chrome, there's a translate feature. Uh, I'm trying to think of where it's at again now. Oh, well. Someday we'll do it. It says too far. So the website's even still under construction. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, may, maybe they'd sponsor us. You think we could get a comp dive? Well, you look at some of the other, that's our swimming pool area. Well, you can try. You know, we got like two two thousand downloads per episode, so it'd be some pretty good advertising. For yeah. You. Oh, yeah. Yeah, two thousand people of of which three may actually go. Now, here's the question: If you pee in the pool, does it change color? Let's find out. Yeah. And if you do it at the deepest spot, does the filter suck it up right there, or does it float to the surface? It'd be like a big mushroom cloud. Well, if you're peeing, you're talking about floaters too. You know, depends on. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I found this uh, comment on having been there. Was very curious about this place, really close to Warsaw. Decided to take a car and spend a nice afternoon there. Unfortunately, 
The first step into the changing room and showers was disappointed. There was no divided space for kids, women, and men. <laughs> oh, wait. Why they, they, they're going to the, wow. They're going co-ed. Mm-hmm. Is this a swingers resort? Is that what they're doing there? Europe is a lot more open about that kind of stuff than we are here in America. Yeah, well, I mean, it used to be uh, your high school uh, swimming classes used to be done in the nude. Excuse me? You didn't know that? Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago until I think the 70s they were uh, swimming was nude. They said one of the most watched sports was the men's swimming because uh, all the, the girls would would want to would want to watch yeah let me see you sh- we should be able to google that i find that very hard to believe really do i'm, I'm afraid what you're going to pull up stuff you can't unsee i don't want to google i'm not yeah. they're, they're, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the searching here i'm going to get on are, a couple fbi lists by doing this there, there are some things you should just not google okay <laughs> never see <Google>. unsee <laughs> Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm seeing indications that up into the sixties, 67, it was still naked swimming in Chicago. Maybe it's a Chicago thing. Um, it can't be a school thing though. That, that no, it was a school. Be. It was, it was school. Wow. It was mandated. High school mandated, mandated physical fitness. Um, uh, it was Marshall pool. Don't, you know, it's the 60s. It's well, yeah. okay. Okay. Now, here, here, here's one. This, this article. So, the Janesville Daily Gazette in 1967. And then in, in 1885, the Brooklyn YMCA required men to swim nude. Uh, American Public Health Association required male public students to swim nude between 1926 and 1962. Here, I'm, I'm going to, I am not the only one who's going to be subject to looking at this. Everybody in the chat room. Not. No. Avert your eyes. No, no, I'm going to scroll. No, dude, dude. This is they, 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 Don't worry. They got zucchinis in front. Uh, <laughs> after pools introduced more advanced filtration systems, swimming nude became redundant. Oh, because they were doing it. Uh, YMC and public schools phased out the practice in the 60s and 70s, but lived on longer than was strictly necessary. It's possible these administrators thought nude swimming built cohesion between young men fostering a bond through mutual chagrin. Uh (laughs) Oh, it wasn't co-ed then what you're saying. Well, uh, the class itself was, was all male, but the swimming teams were competing in the nude. So the women would or girls in the school would frequently go and watch. And they, I saw a photo which showed them on the diving board. Uh, nude swimming also, uh, okay, let's see. Okay, now now we're going to have to cover it. It's a, it's a, a additional penalties for doing a belly flop, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. There's rewards for form and penalties for not. Uh, negative emotional consequences of swimming nude. Unsurprisingly, mandatory nude swimming had a lasting impact on unwilling participants. There could be more frightening scenario on earth than forced skinny dipping at a school against your will. Bill Flanagan blogged in the Huffington Post. Apparently not. 
participants remain haunted by the memories, and many still write or post or chat threads seeking comfort from fellow sufferers. Robin Williamson attended Chicago Public High School in the 70s. His story, Swimming Naked in School, sounds like a scene ripped from an 80s comedy. The school's folklore incur, uh, included a tale of Coach Valentine using a life-saving pole to <laughs> remedy an embarrassing moment for a backstroking swimmer. Oh, the coach swatted him in the midsection and shouted, get the periscope down. I guess he must have been enjoying it. So, yeah. Nude swimming also left for uh, hijinks. Uh, Tillman Brown <laughs> attended school in Mobile, Alabama during the late 1960s. He has a positive memories of swimming in the buff. I can remember one day the girls' PE teacher was out sick and they had a substitute that didn't know the routine. We boys got naked, rinsed off, and skipped roll. He said in an email to Dose, we jumped in only to find the girls were already in the swimming pool. You can imagine the mayhem that ensued. The pool-related pranks were not... (laughs) It makes you think differently about the the good old breaststroke, you know? Yeah. Well, then you you wonder what your grandparents... I mean, that's a whole different thought. Uh, (laughs) Pool-related pranks were not gender-specific. My mom attended a public high school in Chicago during the 60s, and according to her... Girls did their fair share of peeking through the pool crack uh, door cracks to spy on the boys. A maroon one piece in the world of full of green one pieces. Unlike their male counterparts, women were always required to cover their bodies during swim lessons. The 1948 uh, State of Illinois Public Health Association Pool Magic Guideline stated that the ladies had to don plain tank suits to preserve their modesty. Even so, women like- experience their own unique forms of humiliation. It's kind of like like Porky's in reverse, you know. Yeah, Chicago Pool School and my mom and aunt attended in the late sixties. Required them to wear swimsuits, color coded by the bus size. <laughs> Women with thirty two inch chests were maroon, thirty four were navy, thirty six were red. Women with thirty eight inch chest were green. Our family's historically fast chested. My mom and aunt were always maroon, even though you're with peers and you're. 14 you have to wear a suit that reflects your bus size when you're flat chested looks like a 12 year old boy it's embarrassing my mom said she added we all had to wear the same sack of polyester but i was still self-conscious the girls who were more shapely still looked good in their red and green suits and they were the ones with boyfriends i can emphasize i didn't have it as rough as my older relatives but no one escaped the swim unit unscathed my insecurities began locker room and I changed in front of more developed girls. Uh, the decaying one piece I browed from my older sister did little to cover my nipples. I dreaded the walk from the locker room to the pool where the boys sat in the bleachers waiting. Uh, yeah. And that's just one article. I've read a bunch of them. Now this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We can do an episode just on this. Mike Please, Gase no. rating. I'm, I'm going to pass oh. on here. <laughs> Look at the photo that was in the chat room. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it picked the, the correct photo, obviously. Okay. So how about some uh, underwater camera phone case? If I can find it. Pasting it right now. Yeah, I put geeky. a couple of pictures in there of the other items at that park. <laughs> One is the uh, skydiving, indoor uh-huh. skydiving. So it's a multi 
purpose type facility, indoor, outdoor activity. So they might be able to make some money there. Well, yeah, you have to do it as a destination. You can't just have yep. one thing. Nope. But um, imagine that you could have, uh, you know, like a an extreme passport. You know, can you skydive? Can you dive to the bottom of the pool? Can you, then you put all these things together and you make it a challenge. I mean, you figure yep. that by the time somebody gets done with training gear and pool time, they could easily have a thousand dollars in between the, the flight simulator, the skydiving and the, uh, motorcycle the barrel, part you get your motorcycle and go in a circle. And go Did they have a motorcycle up? barrel? You said, is there a motorcycle? Uh, they barrel? got a little bit of everything there. Oh, wow. You, you were, you were just saying that, you know, sport extreme right here. One stop. Yeah. Free diving, skydiving, wow. motorcycle. I yeah. mean, damn. That guy with the uh, million, couple of million, he ought to invest in one of those. Yeah, there you over go. Over here. Yeah, maybe, yeah, right maybe here. You already, maybe you already did. Yeah, maybe that's, his, maybe that's his investment. That's how he's paying to go to all those extreme spots. If you got the money and you will build it, they will come. Yeah. Well, how about this one for people with extra money? A waterproof phone case that transforms your smartphone into an auto water camera that can take be taken scuba or will splashing around the waves available for roughly $179 or 135 pounds discount from the approximately 50% off retail price while the crowdfunding campaign is underway. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it. Uh, the hot diet Kickstarter campaign is successful. Because your main thing you need underwater is the ability to kept, catch, capture light. And phones are notorious for not catching a lot of light down there, no matter what you do. And that's that's the last camera you want to take scuba diving. Okay, don't 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 take your phone scuba diving. Well, the problem is I needed the the uh, phone to be able to call when I get out of the water to have somebody rescue me. Mm -hmm. So last thing I want to do is flood in the bottom. Uh, so it's got charging cable, lubricant. That goes along with our last article. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. $179. Has a built-in battery supply. Uh, I mean, if you're just, I mean, if you, you know, if you've got an extra camera or not camera, cell phone. Let's see, what are they showing here? I'm trying to figure out what they're showing. Is that, is that, that's not an iPhone, is it? It's got a funky Oh, notch. showing down below, it has a. The Hot Dive Pro, Kraken Pro, Kraken, GoPro Shell, Divoid. It's comparing others who have cases with theirs. Mm -hmm. And the prices, they're expensive. Ooh. I thought already. Sure. Uh, fill light. So they've got a light on the case. So that's part of it. Uh, six millimeter PC glass, aluminum PC glass. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. Well, they must have a lot of light at 5.3 meters. That's a good shot. Well, well, let's say if you look at the, at your top-of-the-line cell phones now, well, they're all 1400 to $1,600 yeah. retail. Yeah. So you really want to put a $1,600 camera in a $200 case. And, oh, oops, I'd rather put a $400 camera and a two hundred dollar case that makes what's a little it, bit more sense. What's it rated for for a depth? Uh, eighty meters. Eighty meters. Oh, so 
as deep as most of us are going to go, 240 yeah. deep. Yeah. I did buy a GoPro. Well, right. That I mean, yep. it's hard to beat a GoPro, and with the video software now, everybody's already adjusting for uh, lenses and, and stuff, so it's... Well, also, your cell phone doesn't have a, a wide angle, and keep in mind that, well, it, depending upon the manufacturer, you may have a wide angle lens on, on your camera, on your, on your camera phone, but... Yeah. The water automatically zooms you in by 25%. So nearly all of your underwater cameras, that's why, why they're wide angle. So unless you want to be doing close-up shots down there, you say you're, well, you, you, your, your phone is not, the, is not the best camera for this, okay? Well, and that's why you, all, you always get your nudes taken in the water because everything's larger than it appears. It yeah. appears larger <laughs> than it is, see. But this time, all, all the episodes are together. Is this, a, is this an adult episode we're going to have? Adult episode. Uh, we, naked we, naked uh, deepest spot of the ocean. I mean, we, there's, does Guinness want, have a record for that? Naked in spots here. Look, hey, do, do we want to have an, uh, post the address to send the hate mail to on this one here? <laughs> yeah. The show at scubaobsessed.com, yeah. where I, you've probably emailed before and I've ignored it. Um, okay. Now the chat room's just showing us up. Derek's doing some tropical photos just to humiliate us. Yeah, I haven't seen them yet. Where they at? Uh, you go in in the chat room. Yeah. Okay, and Derek, what are you using for these for these photos? I I really doubt you're using a uh, cell phone camera for these. GoPro. He says, there you go. GoPro. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the GoPro, which I think right now, because we're recording this on Thanksgiving, I'm Real sure seven. there's some sort of GoPro special at almost every retailer, and probably GoPro itself. Well, and the the GoPro does have a, a wide angle lens standard. I want to say I'm I'm using a whole four, and then it's 140 degree wide angle lens on it there. Yeah. Well, I do have one bonus article that didn't make the show notes, so here I'm going to post in the chat room, and we can talk about that one as well. Do we dare? <laughs> I, I mean, if you want to keep it in the, the naked swimming theme, you can lay on top of this naked. Uh, it's a Tesla boat, silent yachts, ramps up production of its electric catamarans. The company now has 10 boats under construction. They're increasing production ca- capacity to be able to produce a dozen of the electric boats a year. may not sound like a lot, but boat production can be a slow process, hard to deploy at scale for larger vessels like the silent lots, yachts, electric catamarans. They've been delivering electric catamarans for years now and have a full lineup of, of three boats, 55 foot, 60 and 80 foot. These boats are all powered by solar power and batteries. Depending on the size, they can produce between 10 and 26 kilowatts of solar power equipped with 150 to 532 kilowatts of battery capacity. The latter is an equivalent of energy capacity of more than five Tesla Model S sedans. Silent lots can solely power by clean energy with the solar panels and batteries feeding electric motors or using a generator depending on your type of use. Here the company producing a video showing typical use of these silent yachts uh, on top of these 15 silent 60s the company is currently building one silent 55 the entry-level boat and four silent 80s its biggest vessel starting at roughly two million dollars we are not talking about cheap boats but the price is actually competitive with non-solar battery vessels of the level of capability and luxury I love I this I love the look of this. This I mean, 
heck yeah. <laughs> I and would I, take one. I, I've wondered about this because, you know, I was thinking about it for uh, like side scanning because I was yeah. initially trying to figure a way to do it without putting a generator out there. Oh, yeah. Running solar panels because, you know, when you're out side scanning, you're not, you know, going real fast and you could probably do it off electric trolling motor if you had not an awful lot of drag depends upon you know how much drag your fish has and all well well but, right uh, and you've you've got i mean this is a catamaran so you're going to have a pretty efficient i'd want to have one of these with a moon pool <laughs> that's my dream is to have a moon pool and a vessel it looks like each of the the cat pontoons has living space in it yep it's um, got windows yep. yeah and as long as you're not i mean because it's all about efficiency you know, while they've got a decent amount of solar panels, you know, a, I don't know. Do they, they don't say in here how, how long of driving you've got, but for whatever time you're putting in driving the boat, you've probably got 10 times the amount of full sun to charge that up. But let's face it. What's the average boat owner? You know, it's a, it's a Saturday, you know, in St. Joe, you're motoring out to the end of the pier. You're probably going to run up and down the beach a few times and anchor it. I mean, you probably would never have to put fuel up. And, and they've got a generator on board, so you have a small tank with a generator, and that's enough to get enough juice in the batteries to limp your way home at, you know, four or five knots. Yeah, just keep in mind that, though, this boat is pictured on very, very calm seas. And... If you get out there and you get some bad conditions, I'm wondering how this is going to handle. You know, say a storm brews up, the sun goes over the uh, clouds over the sun, and you've lost power. I guess you're going to fall back on your generator, so you can still get back in. I hope this thing has enough horsepower to be able to manage dealing with some nasty waves if the weather goes south. I mean, the sizes they've got there, I'm going to guess it can handle it. You know, if you if that was down to 20 to 30 foot length, which would have you know, a little bit less capacity all the way around. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it'd probably be something you'd want to watch a little closer, but at 55 feet, I'm thinking oh. it's, you know, it's going to be able to handle four. I would think, wouldn't you Mac? Well, over here, it says, uh, looks like a trimarian, but the middle hull is hovering just about the water and large waves. It would probably act more like a trimarian. I'm not sure what that is though. Trimaran. Trimaran, yeah. As, My, as, as opposed to a catamaran, it's basically saying it's got three holes instead of just two. Here, here, my, my grandfather, who built boats for his living most of his life, uh, loved catamarans, hated trimaran. And the reason he said is every trimaran he ever had that was at his marina would eventually sink. Not at the marina, but disappear out in the lake and the people who owned it never to be found really and yeah and he and he said it he believed it was something to do with the the wave action on and the stresses on the vessel you know uh that a catamaran no problems but a trimaran because usually a trimaran if you look at the traditional ones the center pontoon is much bigger than the outside you know the outrigger pontoons which gives you your trimaran and he just because he didn't i mean he didn't know because one day the boat comes out and doesn't come back and that happened three times there out of holland so he just uh kind of said yep don't get him 
So out there, there are three trimorans to find in Lake Michigan. Amongst uh, many other things to find. Um, yeah. Amongst many other things, yeah. This is probably the, this is going to be 60s and 70s. Yeah. Uh, probably when many of these went down. Uh, and but well, he, that, uh, he was he was not a fan of trimorans. But wasn't that guy that, uh, oh, they had that English racer on the world and the guy that uh, went crazy. What was his name? He and he disappeared. You guys got real quiet. Are you still there? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I we're here. Yeah, I just don't. I don't okay. know. Oh, there's a story about this fellow. There was this. Let me uh, Google crazy uh, world boat racer. Yeah, he um, he got sponsorships and he kind of got boxed into where he, he he had to go ahead and follow through on it. And he he was an inventor and he had created um, some sort of a navigational item and to promote it he stated he was going to get involved in this around the race world around the world race by yachts and he ended up faking it uh, rather than actually circle you know circumnavigating he ended up spending his entire time out there around bermuda and he basically he listened in on shortwave trying to find out when the uh winner's you know, the leaders are coming in. He's uh, radioing back false location where he is and indicating that he's doing So he basically faked the whole thing. And then near the end, there was skepticism that this new guy could win the race, which was being announced worldwide. And he ended up getting, killing himself. But he was just a trimaran, which was his own personal design. And uh-huh. that's one that, that one actually sits. Oh my gosh, it exists today, actually. It's off some island i say are, are you getting the story are you finding this what i'm talking about uh i mean i'm i i, I googled crazy boat race it was uh ton uh donald crowhurst crowhurst yes, yes that that's the guy that's the guy a british yeah. businessman and amateur sailor who died while competing in the sunday times golden globe race single-handedly around the world yacht race soon yes. after starting the race his ship began to take on water and he wrote he probably sank in heavy seas he secretly abandoned the race while reporting false positions in an attempt to appear completely a circumnavigation without actually doing so. The ship logbooks found after his appearance suggested that the stress he was under and associated psychological deterioration possibly led to his suicide. Yeah. And, and all I did, and literally this is what I typed in, crazy world boat racer. And he was mm-hmm. the first result. Yep, yep. Yep. And I have to say allegedly for anybody who wants to sue us, but <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but he was using a trimaran. You're talking about these trimarans that, that, that weren't good boats, you know, and yet he had all kinds of problems with that. Of course, yeah. he, he built it himself and he wasn't exactly a, you know, a, a world renowned boat builder. And you're going in entering this, you know, yeah. world-class race. Yeah. The, the, the guy had, you know, was, was short a few paddles in his canoe. Yeah. So. My, my, my grandfather built a bunch of boats. He never built to my knowledge, a trimaran, but he was not a fan just based on what he saw. I mean, if boats go out and they don't come back, that's not a good thing for boat building. I know, uh, I know they get a lot of looks cause they got a, there's a few of them that are docked in South Haven. They mm-hmm. generally get a, a lot of attention when they come and go. So. Yeah. Cause they're, they're, they're kind of unique. Uh, but they're, they're almost a little redundant because you think about it. It's like a sailboat with a t- couple outriggers on it. So, you know, really, what are you gaining? Just build a decent sailboat. You know, where a catamaran is 
to me, a particular type of boat. Uh, and I think, you know, part of it's engineering and understanding stresses, which is beyond my knowledge, but. Uh, well, and, and the catamaran has the ability to actually plane, whereas yeah. a, a trimaran, uh, I don't think that's a planing craft. And that's part of what, no, why, I, the cat, why the cats are so fast is because they, they're one of the few sailboats that can get up on top of the water. Yeah. So. Well, the, and, and like you said, they, uh, you know, when, when, because I've sailed a catamaran before, then you get out and you know you got one pontoon in the water and the other's up in the air and yeah. you're really you're really hauling those those uh, those hobie those hobie cats really do fly oh yeah the, oh, yeah great boats uh, and those are the one that that's the only catamarans i'd ever uh really used are the hobies so great uh some good articles i, I thought i wasn't going to have anything this week after looking through uh the show notes being a, a, a short week with the holiday here in the u.s but uh thank you for that uh and as i i don't know i think we might have talked about this before the show which was the turkey dive normally we have a turkey dive the week of thanksgiving and uh, there's been some discussion that there's a few people that unofficially are interested in doing a uh, weekend dive that's my understanding because yeah, i had no plans in fact i was getting ready to bring my gear in for my truck uh, and just start getting stuff stored for winter and maybe do a little bit of staging and maintenance to get ready for some ice dives well, sounds like you guys are thinking about saturday I'm, I'm working saturdays but if you if you go let me know how it goes for you so yeah, yeah it probably won't be me because i gotta do uh, thanksgiving with my wife and daughter on saturday but I hope somebody does get in because this is will be the first time. And I mean, we didn't officially have one last year, but we went. We did. I think I did it. I dove last Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think Amy uh, came down with you guys too. So. Yeah, yeah, because that's 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 a good time. It's yeah, you know, if you dive the first dive of the year, and that's kind of the last dive, not including ice dives. Well, hey Mac, Mac, do we have plans for doing a uh, a New Year's dive? Uh, I wasn't sure what anybody was going to do. I know I've talked to Larry if he was interested and if we could get out into the water someplace. And Larry said he's game, but I hadn't put it out there much. Yeah. Put, put me down too. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I may even try it this for my first one. Gotta do something. Well, yeah. Last year we just basically got in the water there at the dock there and Niles, but, uh, the toy box is not available this year. I know that. Okay. And that's always nice if you got that little sucker to get in. Right. Well, right. maybe I can work a miracle out and get a facsimile to a toy box. Hmm. Not quite as big, but, you know, I've got the, uh, the one the robotics team uses. Okay. So maybe I can get something. I don't have any heaters, so people would have to bring some heaters or uh, a yeah, a lot of hand warmers. <laughs> well, we just picked up an SUV for Amy, so we can Amy and I can take care of our changing there. But you guys aren't invited, so not in our, not in our, yeah. our little SUV for changing there. So yeah. you're not doing Chicago pool rules. We we might be, but we're not doing about <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Well, Mac, do you have a dive safety story for? Uh, actually I do have something I never can remember. I try to 
may date them and stuff, but sometimes we either don't have something or we do, but I don't think I've had this one yet. It's called uh, Distracted While Diving. The Diver. It can be easy to lose sight of depth, time, and gas supply when you're in search of the perfect image. Stay alert. Don't compromise your safety for the sake of a photography or photograph. The diver was a 48-year-old woman who was open water certified for 20 years, but hadn't dived in many, many years. She had recently taken a second open water diving course to get re-familiar. She was 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighed 230 pounds, had a body mass index of 36. She had just recently lost 45 pounds and was still in the process of weight reduction, though she was not dieting during her seven-day liveaboard trip in Australia. Incident. On the second day of diving, the diver reported getting carried away taking pictures. She stopped looking at her gauges and realized at 97 feet that she only had 1,000 pounds of breathing gas left. Her dive buddy was monitoring her to ascend, so she began to purposely do so. She reported feeling worried and determined that she should not shoot to the surface. She continued her steady ascent. At 45 feet, she looked around and was initially unable to locate her dive buddy. She watched her air supply dwindle. Finally, she reached 20 feet with about 300 PSI left. She opted to make a safety stop and watched her gauge intently the whole time. As soon as she finished, she motioned for her buddy to ascend the mooring line. She ascended in a slow, controlled manner, but stated that her mind was racing. She felt relief as her depth gauge approached zero. On the surface, diver inflated her BC, looked at her gauge, and saw her tank was completely empty. She recalled, I, It was a 97-foot dive. I was very embarrassed. My dive buddy was holding it back, but I could tell he was upset with me. I never told him how close I came to running out of air, but I apologized profusely, telling him I would never do that again. I spoke with another diver, a former instructor, and told him what had happened. He told me he had made the same mistake once, got carried away with what he was doing, and forgot to watch his gauges. I was thinking, wow, you're a dive instructor, and you did that. I was shocked at how easily you can lose sight of your depth. I mentally vowed to stay with my buddy on future dives and to definitely watch my gauges. The analysis. <clears throat> this diver was lucky that she realized how low her tank pressure was when she did. Much longer that depth than she would have likely have run out of air long before she made it back to the surface. At Dan, we receive fatality reports every year about divers who weren't so lucky. Running out of air doesn't automatically lead to death, but when coupled with panic and a rapid ascent, which may be more common among inexperienced divers, the consequences can be grave. An Australian study followed a thousand recreational scuba dives and determined that, compared with divers who surfaced with plenty of air remaining, Divers who serviced low on air were more than 20 times more likely to be surprised with how little air they had left. In other words, like the diver involved in the accident or incident, they were simply not paying attention to their gauges. Recently, I took an underwater photographer again after a long break, or took up photography after a long break. In the past few years, I'd been diving plenty without a camera. The first thing I rediscovered was how utterly distracting a camera can be when you find something you want to photograph. It's very easy to forget to keep an eye on your depth of air or gauge. This is one reason why Dan Rizzoli 
suggest recreational dives or divers dive with a buddy. In this incident, the buddy signaled the diver before she ran out of air, accompanied her to the surface, and was able to render assistance if it had been needed. This diver had a close call, learned a valuable lesson, and lived to dive another day. Staying calm under her ascent, staying near her buddy, inflating her BC at the surface were all essential elements in her incident being harmless. Another aspect of this case is particularly relevant to, relevant to modern divers. In the early days of photography, when a diver used 24 rolls or 24 36 shot films, cameras were quite an investment. It was far more common then for, to be, for divers to be very experienced before buying the first camera. Today, however, this diver showed as many newly certified divers are, they pick up a low, inexpensive hobby or underwater camera even before they have developed keen situational awareness through many dives. The relative inexperience and the distraction a camera offers makes for an unsafe, uncombination underwater. Therefore, newer divers who want to take their cameras underwater are advised to discuss the dive plan with their buddies before entering the water and to carefully consider the added risk of distraction. So the yeah, when we play, we're, we're usually 10, 15, 20 feet. When you're talking 100 feet, that can get serious really quick. Yeah. And that's the one thing that they say when you go tropical and you've got the extra visibility. We like to make fun of that extra visibility, but it also seems to give people a false sense of security that they're not as deep as they really are. So they're talking about buddy diving is just a way of checking on somebody so that they realize how deep they are, that they just don't get down and think, oh, I'm at 50 feet and they're really at 120 and they're burning through that air at uh, a much faster rate than they anticipated. You can definitely sneak up on you. That's why when you, as you go deeper and you get certification for going deeper, there are more things to be concerned about as far as, you know, your air consumption definitely goes, speeds up. You also go into decompression faster and you're at a greater risk for uh, a decompression illness expansion too fast so it certainly requires a lot more experience as you go deeper you know yeah. there some of the organizations when you come out certified i'm now we when you out certified you are your um, certification level is 130 feet they'll tell you you're not ready for 130 you got to build your experience to get mm -hmm. to and with patty you come out certify your first certification at 60 feet and then you can go for a, a cert get you to 100 feet and on your deep car each of the 130. Yeah. It's a matter of building your experience to get there. So well, it's also your preparedness. I mean, do you, uh, you know, when we dive deep, we tend to have bailouts, and that's just to give you extra air if something goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, side note, real quick. Uh huh. The posting was the Mud Club isn't doing an official turkey dive. Anyone want to get together socially distanced? A way to dive the river of the pier Saturday afternoon after Thanksgiving, weather permitting. Right now, weather report is showing 44 degrees out, partially sunny. Eight comments. Karen said she could That's bring hot drinks. Theodora said, uh, sounds like a good idea. Rob said, be with you in spirit. Uh, <laughs> Ted said, if it's a pier dive, he's in. Bob said, uh, uh, did I say rain. Niles or? No, here are uh, the piers. Uh, St. Joe Pierce said, after uh, the rain yesterday, expect the river will be out 
lots of current, no visibility, pure is still a possibility. But the wave forecast for Saturday is 10 to 15 knots, sunny, waves 2 to 3 feet. <laughs> if you did the, depending on which way it is, if you do the, if it comes from the north, south pier is a good dive. Come from the, you know, southeast or something, then the north pier would be good. And it looks like Karen was going to be, but she's going to be out. She's going to ring recovery in Maple Lake in Pawpaw. Anybody want to join? Oh. She's got extra metal detectors. Well, here did you see? I just happened to pop on the Mug Club Facebook page, and Ed said, "Did here's how you get them interested in diving? Show them this from an auction that my friend sold his bottle for nine nine thousand five hundred dollars. He found while diving the St. Clair River this summer. What bottle was this? It's." I saw that. That was he posted a couple of uh, a couple of uh, uh, H Hegg's compound set probably the eighteen fifty corners. The original luster near mint condition, just a little mirror light wearing remaining, are in fact believed to be unique, unlisted example. Recently discovered by a diver, St. Clair River, near nine thousand five hundred dollars. Wow! And, and you look at the ones above it and below it. They like look my dad really who, nice. Who owned? A, a, and that that it's got it's like the it's like looking for gold. You know, you find something. Oh, yeah. Uh, to me, is the bottle remembering it? I got a bunch of bottles I'm going to get rid of because I can no, no longer remember when I point. It's just occupying. Yeah, well, 9,500. You give me one, one that's 9,500. I, 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 I may split it for you. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do a bit of a shipwreck story for you guys. Sure. Here. Pull this baby up here real quick. Going to talk about the uh, Superior Five. Pull up my article here. Article that saved. On. Yeah. Um, can't quite get it onto my desktop here, so I'm going to have to just do this from memory here. So I went down uh, the Superior Five. It's actually uh, one of the shipwrecks you can dive up in the Alger Preserve up by Munising. Uh, it's kind of a challenging one to find. Amy and I went looking for it last summer. The GPS numbers we had were not accurate. I do have a link here, which I'll share in the chat room, which does have some updated GPS numbers. It might be a little better. Do we lose somebody in the chat room there? Sounds like, is Craig still here? I don't yeah, know. He's still so, there. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's showing listed, so he hasn't gotten too tired yet. Okay, gotcha. Great, great. All right, but um, Sidewheeler Superior, uh, today the boilers for it lie right by Spray Falls. If you are... Go to Munising. I highly recommend you uh, take a look at the uh, different tour groups. Tour groups they have. They have uh, take you out to look at the uh, shipwrecks in the harbor. Also, you can take the uh, pictured rocks tour out there, and they will take you out on a good day as far as Spray Falls. And uh, there, when it's calm and clear, you can see the shadows of the boilers in the water. Uh, one of them's very much intact. The other one's kind of kind of mangled, but they are there. And from what I understand, there's a keel and ribs not real far from that area. 
but uh, I can say the GFS numbers we held that some were not accurate. Amy and I, we went out, we looked for it, and uh, we thought we saw something on the um, on the hummingbird, and we we dived for it. And it was just there's an awful lot of very curious rock formations. It's actually a very pretty area to dive. You have a lot of um, areas with depressions that catch a lot of rocks, and the wave action tends to make the rocks you know, nice and pretty round stuff. It's 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 a cool place to dive. But uh, we did not see anything definitively we considered it to be the shipwreck out. But uh, at its time, it was the worst accident on Lake Superior. It was uh, October 29th, 1856, 184-foot, 646-ton wooden sidewheeler steamer Superior dashed to pieces at Lake Superior Pictured Rocks east of Munising on Michigan's Upper Peninsula. I am taking this from the story. No. Zenithcity.com is where I'm taking the story from. Over 45 lives were lost. First reports said that 35 people had perished and 19 were saved. But subsequent reports increased the casualty list. According to meteorologist and amateur historian Carl Bonach, the Superior hit a northerly gale just west of Whitefish Point on October 29, 1856. Uh, Captain Jones made a run for the shelter of Grand Island, but his ship lost the rudder while approaching pictured rocks. Jones could not keep the vessel from crashing broadsides into the rocky ledge. The side wheeler disintegrated quickly. An estimated 18 passengers and crew managed to float on debris to the rocks. The watch as Captain Jones and eight of his crew went under one by one. Now, this is an area where you have very sheer cliffs. And uh, I've, I've been to the spot, obviously, and you can see where a boat getting dashed to pieces against those cliffs, it's going to be a, a very sad situation because you really have no place immediately where folks can get ashore and they were able to struggle about a mile to the oh south you know, west of there and able to get get in at uh, mosquito beach but it was very cold and in a hospital you know they managed to get a fire going and they sent three people running to try to get help and uh there was some settlements in the area and they were managed to get down to i believe to Munising and find some folks to set out a boat and, and rescue the, the survivors. But it's a very cold and bitter night, and I believe three runners, only one of them actually made it to civilization. Um, very bitter and brutal evening. A lot of people lost their lives on this time. This time, The uh, Superior Five has been mentioned in um, Treasure Hunter's books as a possible place that may have had a safe that's mostly based upon stories of a fisherman bringing up a safe's door in his grappling hook one time. Not sure what he was fishing for if he's using a grappling hook. Uh, there's stories of that the locals used to go out there and grapple for scrap metal um, back in the days when you get good money for scrap metal. But uh, I could say I've been out there a couple of times, and mostly what I've seen is extremely scattered wreckage. Um, I would not necessarily go out there just simply to dive the site of the Superior. Although it's, it's a very beautiful area. You are right there at the cliffs of pictured rocks. You've got falls and very unique geological formations. So it's well worth the trip. So take a, take a look if you like. Not, maybe not necessarily for the wreck, but uh, you know, just it's a beautiful area. There you have the story of the Superior Five from 1856. Excellent. Thank That's you. pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. Glad to, to share hear, that one. Love so. to hear about new locations to go dive. And well, I can, go ahead. Like I said, you, you may or may not see a lot of wreck. I, I understand there is a keel and ribs that kind of comes and goes in the sand. 
um, you know, we we side scan. We, we we ran the hummingbird around quite a bit, and you know, a lot of very very unique features down there in the bottom, which gets a little bit uh, confusing when you're looking, you know, to trying to find the, the keel of a boat. And when we got down there, we did find you know some boards that were wedged in amongst the rocks, but uh, honestly, I couldn't tell you if those boards were from the Superior or if they were from someone's dock or who knows what they were from. They were just some scattered planks here and there, all we saw pertaining to anything man-made. But it's a real pretty area. You have a lot of this uh, sandstone, which is, uh, you know, very uniquely. It's kind of like, like the, the, the clay cliffs we have in our area. But uh, this is all polished, smooth, rounded, odd-shaped sandstone. So it's still a pretty day. But uh, did not actually manage to find the boat that day. So, Well, thank you. Glad and once and once again, I want to thank everybody who's been downloading and listening to the program. I mean, honestly, I mean, we're on our 11th year now. The only reason we're doing it is because people are listening to the program. If it wasn't for you. Uh, also, as much as we hate to beg, we need to. It is getting that time of the year. We need to renew some subscriptions and hosting plans. So if you're getting any value out of the program, uh, we'd appreciate it if, and we understand that this is a tough year for many. Uh, if you could help contribute to the show, I mean, if you've got funds you can do, you can head to our website, www.scubaobsessed.com, click on over to our Patreon link. Um, you know, any amount would be welcome and accepted. We understand if you can't do that, if you just give us some sort of review, some positive feedback on whatever location you're listening to it whether that's itunes or android or whatever platform they usually have some sort of rating system if you give us a review on there give some honest feedback um, you can email us at the show at scubaobsessed.com we're also on facebook facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed we're on twitter at scubaobsessed uh, follow share you know tell somebody a friend about the program it would certainly be appreciated as we enter, gosh, it's hard to believe 12 years now. Um, you know, we, we certainly appreciate it. And just kind of an honor of that as we hit here towards the end of the year. And I've just grabbed the analytics for the last four months and it goes on and on and on. So at the, the bottom of the list. So pick an obscure country, uh, Mac and Kevin. I mean, can you think of a country that uh, you wouldn't think would listen? And maybe they do. Lithuania. Really? Lithuania is actually listens to the program in the last three months. They had two downloads in really? the last three months. Yep. Lithuania. Huh. Uh, you know, uh, we've got Israel, Austria, and Bangladesh are all below Lithuania. Then we have Sri Lanka, Philippines, Croatia, Bahrain, Costa Rica, St. Lucas, Nicaragua, Lebanon, Poland, Egypt, Peru, Greece, Jersey. <laughs> I'm guessing that's not New Jersey. Puerto Rico, Estonia, Singapore, Russia, Macau, Macau uh, United Arab Emirates, South Korea, Turkey, Slovenia. Uh, Malta, Switzerland, Belgium, Saudi Arabia, Hong Kong, Guam, Finland, India, 
Slovenia, Spain, Chile, Portugal, Czech Republic, Thailand, Trinidad and Tobago, Italy, Taiwan, Ireland, Romania, Malaysia, North Brazil, Japan, China, Argentina, Sweden, South America, Netherlands, Denmark, New Zealand, Mexico, France, Germany, unknown, which is a huge country, by the way, that unknown, unknown. country. Yeah. Uh, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, then at the top of the list, outpacing everybody is the United States, which we understand that most of the people listening are going to be English speaking. Cause if you don't understand English, we probably sound like background noise, <laughs> but, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we value, we hope that you're getting something from the program and, uh, from the number of downloads, we're guessing that some people must enjoy it enough to at least consume some bandwidth. So thank you very much. Uh, as we finish out 2020 and we hope 2021 is much better. I think next week we will try and do our annual uh, episode where we talk about what are some good gifts for the holidays. I do it tonight, but I think we're, we've kind of let gone wrong with our long with our rants. So we'll, we'll finish this one up. Uh, Mac, do you have anything you want to plug before we get on out of here? Uh, nope. Just stay safe and uh, hopefully we can weather the storm and get back to some heavy duty diving next year. And how about you, Kevin? Anything you want to plug while we are finishing this one up? Well, I want to encourage our listeners to uh, please continue to support your local dive center. We all like to get those deals online, but the deals online are going to fill your scuba tanks. Also, please support your local libraries. Uh, user services. Um, every time you have a chance to vote in a millage, just send them some more money, send them some more dollars because they have a tremendous amount of information which is not being digitized. And when that when those doors are closed, the information will be lost. So please support your local libraries. Thank you. And just, yeah, su support your local dive shops, support diving, support real life experience, which I think is what scuba diving gets you. Um, uh, now, when, when you get to the age, whatever that may be, at 102, where you're sitting in a rocking chair, what are you going to think about life? Are you going to have regrets? And I'm pretty confident that I will never regret a dive. Well, there was that one, but anyhow. <laughs> well, I may be embarrassed about a dive, but I will not regret the experience. You know, experiences. You learn from them, you grow from them, you enjoy them, or they're lessons that let you enjoy the next one. So, uh, so it's time for that part of the show where we actually live up to our expectation is that it probably kind of sucks. And it's the uh, scuba joke. joke of the week. Bring it on. A shark and his son are swimming around the water when they see some scuba divers. The young shark says to his father, let's go eat them. The father tells his son, uh, it's not the way of the sharks. First, we swim around them three times, and then we eat them. The son asks, well, why do we swim around them three times first? The father responds, because humans taste a lot better without the shit that's in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think and, you uh, exceeded our you exceeded our expectations on this, Darren. Thank you. I, and I think no matter what the creature, 
they're going to agree humans taste a lot better without the shit. So until next time, go out there and get wet. Stay safe. And have a good time doing it. That was actually a good one there. (laughs) (laughs) Now I just got to figure out how I get Craig out of here. There he goes. Now somebody goes. Well, that was Darren. (laughs) Darren went, yeah. We still showing him the gem.